0: Everybody, and welcome back to the Two Jobbers and a Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. On the show, as usual, my good brother, Robert Keyless. Rob, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good, Johnny. How's everything?
0: Good, man. Look, we're we're in November now. 2020 is almost over. Yep. Uh, everything in the world right now is just political, and it's annoying, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah, we got this election
1: going on, a whole bunch of stuff happening right now.
0: Yes, sir, there's a whole lot going on, but don't worry, 2020 is almost over, and it's that's all that, that's all that we're waiting for here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody's waiting for that, I'm Pretty everybody's counting the days. It's funny, so people have been telling me, they were like, yo, why don't you just, like, make Rob, like, your, your like, official co-host, because he's always on your show, and I'm like, I don't know, like I don't know, sometimes he's free, sometimes he's not. Like it's not my fault that he's always free.
1: Yeah, uh you know, I never know week to week, so that's why like, you know It's not official it's, exactly. It's, it's not official. But uh, you know, we gotta you we gotta like this little streak going on here, so we do. I'll try to not ruin it as much as possible. We'll <laughs> see what happens. We'll
0: see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so I gotta I got a, a variety of things we're gonna talk about today. Number one I thought it was very interesting, and I think that he started doing this this past Friday, which makes sense, because I heard SmackDown was really, really good. Uh, apparently, Triple H has started taking over certain aspects of, like, creative on SmackDown. And, you know, this week, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to combine the two right here, because this is another talking point. Uh, Jay Uso, you know, turned heel and actually joined Roman, and Jay Uso beat the hell out of Daniel Bryan, and, like supposedly this is like one of the uh the most watched segments like in smackdown like the longest time because like it was that good and honestly once i heard that and then i heard triple h uh possibly took over or like created for smackdown i was like well that makes that makes perfect sense to me because look at what he's doing with nxt we literally had this whole discussion last week like he just knows how to handle you know creative wrestling
1: yeah, no, uh, this is actually really, really good news for the future of the WWE. I mean, we always expect the Triple H to take over at some point. Uh, much This is much earlier than expected. I mean, well, he's not really taking over, but hey, if he can have anything to do with creative with any, you know, show other than uh, NXT, whether it be SmackDown, whether it be Raw, then I think that's phenomenal for that brand. Like, yeah, I, think I agree. That's just, I think that's fantastic news for the brand.
0: So so what are your thoughts on Jey Uso actually turning heel now and joining Roman? Um I I like this actually. I like it a lot. You. I I
1: like this a lot. I don't know where this leaves uh Jimmy Uso. I don't know, you know, cuz I know he's still hurt, but you know, he he's already has shown himself, so he's probably going to be back pretty soon. So I don't know if, you know, Jimmy will follow suit. But uh, we'll see. Uh, but I do like this for Roman. You know, he's kind of just like getting his family involved in the in the in the heel thing. Plus, I like the Usos as heels. They're they're not bad heels. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, this is good. This is good for the for Jay Uso's uh, character development as well.
0: Yeah, I actually would love to see, like, a heel, you know, uh, like, Samoan, like, tribal bloodline stable going on. That'd be really cool. Um, I agree, you know, I don't know where this falls with Jimmy because he hasn't, like, officially returned yet. Uh, I think the wrong thing to do here is would to have Jimmy come back and kind of resist and then kind of do, like, a Roman versus Jimmy thing. Like, I wouldn't want to see that. Like, I would rather have Jimmy come back and maybe, like, look like he's going to help someone out and then end up turning heel on that person and then joining Roman and Jay. I think that's, that's the perfect way to go about this.
1: Yeah. Well, well, there's a a couple of ways they could do this. Hopefully they do it right. If, you know, if in fact, Triple H is taking over some creative here, then I have, you know, total faith in their decision and what they would
0: do. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Uh, Another thing I read today, actually, um, Uh, Because, you know, the Royal Rumble is coming up. Royal Rumble is not far away. It's about two months away. You know, we're about to get back into that WrestleMania season, which is crazy to think about because, you know, WrestleMania started, like, basically when COVID started. So to think we're getting back into WrestleMania season is kind of crazy already. But, um, yeah, so I know that WWE is planning – this is a quote from them. They're planning something different for the Royal Rumble this year. Um, we don't know what it is yet, but I fully expected something different just because, you know, I don't know if necessarily it's safe to have, you know, X amount of people in a ring, especially with COVID going on. So I assume that you would have to kind of figure something else out, but I do know they are playing something different. We don't know what yet, but you know what? I'm with it to an extent because listen, I love the Royal Rumble. That's one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I just love the match. I love it all. So if you change it too much to a certain extent, I might be pissed. But if you kind of just, like, throw different things in there to change it up, that's fine. Like, I would say don't push it that far. Yeah, I mean,
1: um, I think they can do four to five men in a ring at a time. I think that's probably what they're probably looking at because they already have tag teams. Plus, they have two people ringside
0: most times in
1: certain people's tag matches anyways. So True. I think four to five in a ring is fine. I, I wouldn't be mad if that's that was like their cap at like five people in the ring at the same time. Uh, I think that's fine. Look, it's not going to be a traditional uh, Royal Rumble that like how we're used to with, you know, like 15 plus men in there yeah. at the same time. But you know what it is is what it is. You know, we got to, you know, adapt with the times here. So look, if I can get, you know, five, maybe maybe six, I don't know if that's pushing it. If I can get that,
0: I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I know that they're trying to get people uh, in the stands for Royal Rumble. Like they're trying – they even said, like, if we could only get people just for that one night, we want people. Now, the thing that makes me very intrigued to that about them wanting to get people uh, in the stands for Royal Rumble is, listen, Royal Rumble, as we discussed last week, is a time for surprises, and it it only works that well – with a live crowd, and now what if what if we were right, man? What if they're trying to get CM Punk in right now, man, for the Royal Rumble? That would be crazy.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I mean, it's been working with, um, you know, football stadiums. I, I, I mean, I get it. Like football, majority of football stadiums are outside. You know, you're you're in a dome. I mean, you're not in a dome, so you're technically outside, but inside of a stadium. Uh, but hey, look. Um, it's easy to say that uh, you know, Vince McMahon can easily get one of these football stadiums for uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. for the Royal Rumble, and just I mean, look, it's gonna be probably be extremely cold, but uh, I mean, depending on where they go, though. Yeah, I mean, look, you could do Miami again. That's warm weather. Arizona, uh, there's a, there's a number of places where they can go. That warm weather. Los Angeles. You know, whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and it look, it's worked out so far for the NFL, you know, so I don't see why they can't have, you know, a certain amount of people, whether it be five to 10,000 people in an arena outside. I think that's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, speaking about uh, fans in the stands, I, I also read that they're projecting that they want to have at least 15,000 people in attendance for WrestleMania 37. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Maybe because I mean again it depends on the place. I know you mentioned a stadium. I'm assuming it'll probably be in a stadium. So yeah. 15,000 in a stadium, like you definitely you know separate that accordingly.
1: Yeah, no. Um, it, it, regardless of anything, I think it definitely has to be in a stadium. I don't think um they can do uh anything else but have it in a stadium because uh they they're gonna. What you mean, call it? Uh, yeah. Look, look. Like I said, it's gonna be outside. It has to be outside. And, of course. Yeah, I don't think you could do it anywhere else. And the stadium could fit like up to, uh, around. I don't know. I'm gonna put a number out there. Probably like eighty, ninety thousand people. Probably, probably like more that. than that. Yeah. So I think it has to be in a football stadium. I think that's the smartest choice if they want fans. And uh fifteen thousand in a, you know, in a football
0: stadium doesn't seem out of the realm. I agree. I think it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible, in my opinion. Um, so, what's the virus series coming up? We had discussed uh, a couple weeks ago about, oh, yeah, is not involved. We don't really know why, blah, blah, blah. And then it came out that uh, we find out why is not involved this year. And when I read this, I honestly, I I laughed. I laughed and I was like, this, this company is not going to change until Vince McMahon dies. It's just not going to. Um, Vince flat out said that he didn't want NXT involved this year, how they were last year, because he does not want NXT to be looked at as a major brand like Raw and SmackDown. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, that is the thing that's keeping your company alive. That's the thing that's going to war with another wrestling company every Wednesday. That's what's keeping you afloat, my guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ah. <clears throat> uh. I don't know what's wrong with Vince. I, you know, I think he's just too old school. Like just too, too old, too school. old school. And you know, I, I, it's just it's it's like come on. It we've already established that NXT is its own brand. It's already yes. been established. Like you did this last Survivor Series, and since then till now, it's been its own brand. It's on what is it? The USA Network exactly yeah like, like once you're on usa that's it like that was the establishment so look i don't understand what vince is saying here this is kind of just utter ridiculousness coming out of his mouth to be honest i just yeah. think like look like i said he's old school i still don't think he just because like he doesn't i think i think he just hates competition man like you know, I'm i think sure there's a too. lot of people out there that are saying, look, NXT is, you know, probably the best show you got. They put out the best product, you know, and Triple H, no matter what, even when they, you know, cleaned house in NXT and brought everybody up, he rebuilt it and it was still great. Yeah. So it really it just goes to show like it doesn't matter what Vince does to NXT or how many people he takes from there. Triple H is going to find talent and make them great. Yeah,
0: and on top of that, like even if you wanted to say, okay, don't like forget about NXT because I I do believe in Vince's head, he still thinks Raw is like a flagship show. Absolutely not. If you were comparing Raw and SmackDown, I would say every time SmackDown is better than Raw. SmackDown actually has you know good matches. Their storylines are great. Raw, like I sometimes I can't even sit through Raw because I'm like this is honestly just straight boring. Like I I can't do this. Whereas no. on SmackDown you actually get. You know, good matches. You get good storylines. You get to see character development in, in wrestlers. You don't yeah. get that on Raw.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Raw's been crap, like I said, early before we started the show. I watched Raw. It was terrible. Uh, it you know really wasn't enjoyable at all. Plus, they don't even have, like, the right guys to mesh with each other. They have a few that are pretty good with each other. And like I said before, too, before the show, they got three guys that are really carrying Raw right now. If not for those three guys, that place would – I mean, Raw would really be in real trouble. And yeah. you know, I like what SmackDown is doing. They got a lot of the good uh, top-end-tier uh, superstars, you know, like Roman, like Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, uh, I don't know why. Plus, like, you know, Vince conti- uh, continues to think, like, Raw is still the flagship when it's clearly – it's SmackDown now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. On top of that, you know, SmackDown, I would say, is on a bigger brand, which is Fox, that is bigger than USA Network.
1: Yeah, it's way bigger than USA now, for sure.
0: So, I have a question that was presented to me by uh, Frankie, Frankie Stanfill, sending in questions. I love, love it. Nice. So, last week, Frankie watched Halloween Havoc after me and you, you know, told him like, "Dude, this this was one of the best." you know, NXT, not even NXT, one of the best wrestling shows we've seen in years. You know, Frankie watched it, and I guess he thought it was, it was good. He didn't say it was bad, but he wasn't as excited as we were when it came to matches. And, you know, we learned, you know, it's just, it's very hard to please Frankie as a wrestling fan, I guess. But he threw out a question that I'm going to throw on the show right now for us. And he said, is the wrestling formula too predictable?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it has been for years, though. Like, even way back when, like, the rest, the wrestling formula was pretty much predictable. It was like, hey, if you got messed up on on uh, Thursday Night SmackDown, when SmackDown used to be on Thursday Nights, hey, yo. That, that guy that got messed up would end up winning the belt or winning the match on said pay-per-view. It, it kind of just went that way
0: for seven years. Too. But now, follow-up question, then. Because I agree with what you're saying. I, I think this, this formula has been predictable for, for years now. I think this is just what it is, and we accept it. But now, why was it okay years ago, but now we're kind of tired of it? Is it based on, oh, we're just tired of the formula? Or is it just, well, back then, there was just better stars. Back, yeah, back then,
1: the the superstars were... There was, I wouldn't say better superstars, but the superstars' names were much, much bigger than the superstars today. That's fair. And it's pretty crazy to think that because back then there was no, you know, there was no social media. There was no none of that, you know. I think that's
0: also a factor, though, because even though we know, like, the formula is predictable, now we see so many things in the formula that it's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I kind of knew that was gonna happen. Where back then there was no like spoilers or like online, where you still knew what was gonna happen, but there was still that little, that little bit of like, oh, but like, what if it doesn't though? Because you didn't know. But now well, you just always know what's gonna happen. Well, that's the thing. Like back then you had surprise factor. You had the, uh,
1: you know, you know, maybe this guy actually can win even though he got messed up on, you know, the show before. So. Now you don't have that anymore. Now it's like we know who's going to win. We can, we can, honestly, I can literally predict a whole card. Like, oh, yeah. So well, I couldn't predict a card. I could predict a couple of matches. Now it's like I can go, you, when they post a pay-per-view and they post the matches, I can literally predict each card easily because True. that's I agree. just how predictable the
0: WWE is now and today. So now moving forward. Do you think it's time to kind of change that formula based off of where we are in the world with technology and, like, online spoilers? Or do they just have to do a better job of making these superstars bigger names? No, I think they do
1: a, a pretty good job making superstars into big names. Like, it's, it's very easy for WWE superstars with the platform that the WWE is – to be somebody when you're a star. Like if you're sure. if you're a champion, you're some you're somebody. Used to go on the on the late night shows, Dave Letterman, and all that other stuff when you were champion. Like you know, when you're a champion, you're you're on the biggest platform, you know, WWE World Trading Company. You know, people know who you are when you're champion. They just know who you are. Like yeah. you become you become a somebody, you know? So I don't think it's the issue of making superstars bigger. I think it's the issue of making wrestling
0: less predictable. All right. So basically, just change up that formula. But yeah. like we've been discussing this whole show with people like Vince and all that, they think the formula is fine. They're going to keep rolling with it. So I don't see that happening anytime soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Look, as long as Vince is around, as long as Vince has a say, as long as he is, you know, has a pulse, wrestling will be the same until he no longer lives. And you know I don't wish anything bad upon anybody or Vince, but as long as he is alive, wrestling will be the way it is, and that is it.
0: Yep. You know? I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. <laughs>
1: there's no there's no change in the near future, so unfortunately, you know that's just the way it is, and we just got to live with what we get right now, even though we hate it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So something that you mentioned last week, again, we didn't, get, we didn't get to talk about. I wanted to, but we didn't have enough time, and but we can talk about it now. I know we both watched it uh the there's a documentary on wwe network uh that talked about the rivalry between under the undertaker and randy orton uh to me really great rivalry I, I know i i right away told you about it because i know that you love orton and this was young legend killer orton versus taker and their rivalry is honestly one of the one of the best uh in in wrestling like when you go back and actually look at it uh so so what did you think about the documentary Oh man, I absolutely
1: loved it. And not just because I'm, I'm a, a Randy Yorton fan, because I'm not really an Undertaker fan, but like, I love both sides of the story. Like, I love what they did. Um, I love that you had, you know, the Phenom in Undertaker, a, a guy who was already established, you know, basically taking on the young buck of the company, kind of just putting him under his wing and saying, yeah, let's go. I want to work with you. Like, You know, for for a guy like The Undertaker to say that to you, to say that he wants to work with you. Yeah me I mean means the absolute world in the WWE because that just doesn't happen. Like no. It's usually, you know, Undertaker working with, you know, established vets. So for that to have happen, especially back then, like that was like O three or 04, whatever the, the year it that was. That happened in 05. 05, 05 yeah. yeah. So, you know, for that to happen that early, and especially for a young guy like Randy Orton, who hasn't... I mean, he's had success already in the in the WWE, but, you know, hasn't really worked with said stars of, you know, the Undertaker statue.
0: Yeah. So hey, I, hey, listen, man. I, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying here. because. You're absolutely right. You know, at the time, ready obviously had success already, but there's nothing like not only working with Undertaker, but for Undertaker to come to you and say, no, no, I want to work with you. That honestly, like you said, it changes the game because it makes you feel like, oh, wow, like I'm I'm doing something right that the Undertaker wants to work with me.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy too because, like, they didn't even work together for, like, a month or two months. They basically worked together for almost a year.
0: No, yeah, that, that, and that's... that's going bring up that i love about their rivalry is that they worked their rivalry was a whole year basically yeah. it started at mania which was in probably like march or april and it ended in december it was a full year of just orton taker going back and forth
1: yeah like you thought it was over you know they told a story yeah, basically their rivalry had a story yeah like it wasn't just about you know i want to beat you or you want to beat me or i want to be better it was kind of like one got beat and the other was just not satisfied with that. The other yeah. just to go right back at him. Like, you know, when they had uh, when they had their match, you know, Taker won. And then they had a match, the uh, the casket match, where, uh you know, Undertaker, like, got lit on. He lit the – Randy and lit the uh, casket on fire. Yep. And then basically, you know, it was a couple of months. We haven't even seen the Undertaker. So they thought it was over. Randy goes on to Survivor Series. They win Survivor Series. And then Undertaker just comes out of nowhere – and bam, it's like the rivalry is back. Like it's like nothing ever happened. Yeah, you know? it's like it didn't even miss a step. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we don't get that no more.
0: Absolutely we don't
1: really not. Be, like we don't, you know, once a guy beats a guy or or he takes a title, you know, or loses a title, that's kind of like the end of the rivalry. The guy moves on to the next opponent. True. So we don't get these lingering stories anymore. Like we, they don't, they don't. The WWE doesn't really tell us a story. Like, it's kind of just like, all right, we're just going to put matches together, and that's that. There's no more, like, real story where you can get involved. Like, you follow the guys' matches, you follow the story of what's happening, and and then
0: they conclude that story. Like, we don't ever really get that anymore. Yeah, man, and listen, the thing that, I, that you're mentioning about, like, them telling basically a, a really good story here is – the thing I love about the Taker-Randy rivalry is that it happened for basically a year, and then after that, that would like like that was it. Like, sure, Taker and Randy probably wrestled here and there, but that rivalry, though, like, it never happened again because it didn't have to. Yeah. Like, I would love to see them today kind of put two people in a rivalry that kind of would last a whole year. And then after that, like, we would be so satisfied that we would never have to see them be rivals again. Yeah.
1: What's also pretty cool too, what I loved about the documentary is that it gave you a little like insight on the back, on the background of stuff that kind of goes on in wrestling. Oh, of course. So you got the not a lot of people know this about the receipt. So oh, try to get through this really quickly so we don't spend
0: too much time on this. No, but no, um, you no, know, we have time. though. You, you can talk about it.
1: Yeah, so like a receipt in the WWE is a big thing. Oh yeah. And back then, it was an even bigger thing than it is today because I don't really – I don't know, but, you know, as long as I follow wrestlers and stuff like that, you know, a receipt is an old-school thing. It's not yeah. as much as a new-school thing Yep. There's a lot of younger guys and a lot of younger guys are are on the rise, you know, before it was more established vets that exactly. set their status. So, you know, a receipt is when basically you mess – I know you know what a receipt is, but this yeah. is for the people that are listening. So, a receipt is when you basically – you f up and during the match, like you just you hit somebody either too hard or you know the wrong you, way or the wrong way. You did something that hurt your opponent, and the receipt is when you do that, the guy you did that to will retaliate against you at some point. May not mm-hmm. be the next match, you can't see the match after that, but they decide when to give you your said receipt. And I loved it because Randy knew that his was coming. And yeah. What, and what I loved about The Undertaker was he said, don't worry, Young Buck, it's coming. And when they were in the Hell in a Cell match, you know, you know, Randy was basically getting his ass beat. Yeah. And The Undertaker pulls out the chair, and just looks at him, and he's like, your receipt's coming, son. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, I don't know. That was one of my favorite parts, honestly, about the the documentary. Because it was just so real. It was just so genuine. It was like, you know, it was no, there was no, like, animosity behind it. It was like, look, I'm just going to tag you back. You know? Yeah,
0: basically.
1: Basically, you know, today, you know, if that was to happen to a wrestler, I mean, where if you hit him with a chair and the face was bloody, obviously that never happened because you can't do that anymore. Yeah. But whatever case maybe you hit them too hard and they start bleeding you know th- these guys today will probably go to the back and complain about it and probably never want to work with you again yeah probably you know nowadays instead, yeah I would agree with that. Like, you know what don't worry next match we have i'll tag you back there you go so wow. that's just that's just a little history on their seat and i just love that part
0: of the documentary to be honest yeah, and look, and like, like you said, like that's a very old school thing, and you see, and and, that, and that's the kind of person that Taker is too, that I love, that that shows not only in this documentary, but you see in in uh, all these documentaries coming out now about him now that he's of people to kind of see the inside of the Undertaker mm-hmm. is like, come on, like like you said, he got hit with a chair the wrong way, and just straight crimson mask, bloody face was not supposed to happen. Yeah. And instead of going to the back and complaining or whatever, he went back, he got his stitches, and he's like, don't worry, kid, your receipt is coming. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Like, he didn't complain. He was like, nah, you know what? He was like, that made good TV. That made it look really good. But he's like, don't worry. I don't forget. It's coming.
1: Oh, yeah, and I think a guy like that is missing in today's wrestling. A guy like The Undertaker, not only is he uh, a mentor – A leader and all of that stuff but you know he he just he just went about doing things the right way he had no ego he did basically did what he was basically told by Vince and did what was best for the company whether it be developing a young guy like Randy Orton whether it be to hold down the company whether it be to even change his character yeah he was just willing to do it all no questions asked and I think we've lost guys like you know the undertaker because they even retired or just moved on and we we
0: probably need that in today's company now yeah Yeah. i absolutely agree with that um you know because we're talking about the documentary things we like the thing that really stood out to me and you know this is how you know randy uh as, as an older person now and you know more experienced wrestler you know he gets it now and you know he's trying to help the kids uh the, the next generation of wrestlers is at the end of the documentary he says like oh you know I'll, I'll never forget that um when when we were starting our rivalry uh he was like i missed rehearsal with with taker like for what we were supposed to do and he was like i was i was so embarrassed and you know i apologize and kind of taker didn't really taker didn't really flinch or anything it was kind of like all right kid like like all right like whatever but he said that like he never wanted to feel that way ever again because he honestly felt like he let someone like you said a leader like take her down so it is cool to hear him say things like that and kind of say like i'm trying to teach like the next generation like don't be like i was like i was a cocky 24 year old kid who won the world title and thought i could do anything like you like don't don't be me
1: yeah, exactly. And when he when he was saying that, too, it was so genuine, too, because he kind of like got choked up. He did get choked up. Yeah, that. he did. Like he was genuinely upset with himself that he did that so young in his career, especially, you know, to the Undertaker. And, you know, you could tell that even, you know, years down the line now that he's a 40 year old man with, you know, kids and stuff that he it really he really feels that now. Like he, he truly knows that he made a mistake in that time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, to, to kind of keep this Undertaker trend going, so uh, the big thing right now is uh, Undertaker 30. We are we are celebrating 30 years of the Undertaker. Uh, this Survivor Series is going to be kind of built around that. Uh, it's crazy how funny it is because the date of Survivor Series this year is actually 30 years to the day that Taker debuted, like November 22nd, 1990 to November 22nd, uh, 2020. Uh, so t- talk about the Undertaker, Rob. Talk me about what you like, what you don't like, what are some of your favorite, you know, memories of Taker, moments, matches, whatever. Just kind of talk uh, to Taker here.
1: You know, I never, like, when I was younger, growing up watching wrestling, I never was a Taker fan. Like, I never, I didn't like the, you know, I mean, actually, no, I liked his character. I just didn't like him as a wrestler. I never gotcha. really, never followed the Undertaker. never cared too much about him. He kind of just was there. And I mean, you know, you know, you know, he was one of the best, you know, he was like, you know, head honcho of the WWE. But, uh, you know, I just liked the better, more flashy guys, you know, the Rocks, Stone Coach, Blade, guys like that. But, you know, what what I loved about The Undertaker, though, that even though you, you may not like his character, you know, you may not or. Well, I mean, I like his character today. I just didn't like it back then. But whether you didn't like it or not, you know, you had to just respect it. Yeah, you know, huh? it was one of those things like he was one of the top guys. He was one of the better wrestlers in the WWE, you know. And he didn't even win that many titles in the WWE. But to be honest, it didn't even really matter. Exactly, yeah. You know, if you were fighting The Undertaker and you fought him in a main event, it didn't need to be for a title. No. That's how – that's what it meant to fight The Undertaker. You're fighting the name. You're fighting the phenom. You're fighting the legend, you know.
0: And that's something I feel like is missing nowadays too. Like, there is no one – Maybe the fiend. I'd maybe give it to him. But he's not there yet though. Taker, like you just said though, he didn't he his name was bigger than a title. And that's what's crazy. You don't really see that nowadays. To yeah. have someone's name, like oh yeah, like sure, like a title would be good, but honestly, you you don't need one. You don't need one. No, yeah, and that's what I loved
1: about The Undertaker. It was like, you know, he just elevated, you know, a match with his presence and name alone. He didn't even need a top guy, didn't need a big-name superstar to go against. As long as The Undertaker was in there, whether it had been WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, whatever the case may be, SummerSlam, you know, it was huge. You were like, wow, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to see The Undertaker match because, you know, it's The Undertaker. You just wanted to see him. Like, I don't really know many others, probably a handful of guys where you're like,
0: "It's a. this is a big match just because this guy is in it. Yeah. yeah, true. And you know, because like I mean, you already said like you, you weren't the biggest fan of Taker. I I obviously am the biggest Taker fan. That is my guy. I love and Taker. Um, and one of the things I love about him, and I know that you could definitely uh, attest for this, is that like you said, it's all about respecting the about respecting him for his character. Just because look at where he started thirty years ago, and look at how he evolved with the times to keep that character. People can't do that. This is why I will always say he will go down as the greatest wrestling character of all time. Yeah. To keep your character relevant for thirty years is is crazy.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. There's no way I can uh, I can uh, disagree nor would I want to. Uh, It's yeah. I mean, look, his character is in the history books. It'll never be forgotten. It'll always be remembered. Um, you know, and I don't really know if there's another guy who can carry that that persona for especially for 30 years like and especially the way he the way he did it the the you know doing it from the start like doing it from the 90s and evolving with the decades to come it's not like a guy that starts today and then evolves tomorrow you know he evolved with decades
0: not years like he you know yeah like I mean, listen. If you wanted to go through it, he started off as as the Undertaker. Come like what, like the mid nineties, he was still Undertaker, but he was a little a little more darker now. Uh-huh. And then go to the late nineties, that's when he was doing the whole Ministry thing. Because uh-huh. that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Even with the era where they were trying to get rid of characters and um, kind of like that whole like uh, like uh, good guy whatever persona or like superhero thing. For him to still be the Undertaker in that time and kind of have his guy be, like, a cult leader, it was like, wow, like, he made it kind of almost real. Because, like, that's, like, a real thing. And then to go from that to American Badass and completely completely change your character from being a dead guy to just a guy who's just a badass, riding a motorcycle that, you know, try me, kid, I'll make you famous. Like, come on. And then to go back to the Undertaker. Just to go back to the de- like the fact that he was able to make these transitions is kind of wild when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he went from you know being a, having a dead man character to basically being himself in real life. Yep. Then have to switch it all up and then be the dead man again. I mean, it's just like he it had to take years too because he had to grow his hair back out. Yep. Like, yep. His his also you just have to respect his dedication to the company. Like, yeah the loyalty the loyalty like all that he's done all that's been asked of him to come back time after time even through major major career uh injuries you know threatening injuries and to still come back and wrestle and still put on a show and even though even though he knows he didn't really have it but to still be disappointed in the performances that you had even though you know you know. The old you is not there anymore. Yeah, it's just that mentality that you have that no matter what I'm doing, no matter how long I've been doing this for, no matter when I come on to do a show or do a match, I need it to be great. Yeah, Yeah. he's not satisfied with just good.
0: Yeah, and listen, I think that all goes back to just like that old school kind of wrestling Mm -hmm. or wrestler uh, mentality. Just you know, you like you just want to do the best for your company and you want to. Make sure that you can do the best for you, and like yeah. I get that you know, I absolutely understand it, you know yeah. and and that's the one thing that I get like I respect to him is this that you know he, like you said, like for him to still be disappointed, knowing like, listen man, my body's not like what it used to be, you know, time catches everybody, it catches oh, yeah. everybody, but for him to even still go out and try to push to get some kind of uh ability of what he was able to do, like again, like like we uh we love that we we accept that. Nice yeah, sure. and like you said before there's
1: nobody that's ever going to come close to this kind of character oh but absolutely not if there is one name and it is the name that you mentioned it would be the fiend if there's a guy who can carry this you know carry this persona that he has now for almost as long as the undertaker i'd put my money on the Fiend.
0: yeah i would absolutely agree with that depending especially depending on um where he goes in the future, like yeah. how they handle him, because they can mess it up very easily. Oh, very easily really ruin his character, yeah. Sure. So it all uh, depends on where it goes. Um, but yeah, it's not time to move on to the top 10. But before we do so, I have a question. So, obviously, you know, the four big pay per views in wrestling are Survivor Series, Mania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam. You know, people always say Mr. WrestleMania Shawn Michaels. Uh, Mr. SummerSlam, I heard uh is actually Brock cuz Brock is won the most at SummerSlam. Uh Mr. Royal Rumble, I don't know who I would give that to just yet. I haven't decided on that. But to you cuz I I think we're I think we're on the same page here. Who is Mr. Survivor Series in your opinion? Who as he thinks?
1: Yeah, uh this is uh there's a few
0: there's only one in my mind where I'm like, I would actually consider him Mr. Survivor Series. Mr. Survivor Series? Yeah. I don't, you know, Randy's been in a lot of them, man. I think Randy Orton is Mr. Survivor Series just because not only has he been in a lot, he, I think he holds the most for not just Survivor Series uh, match wins, but Soul survivor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think he has the most uh la- pinning the opponent wins
0: like the fin like ending the yeah. match, in the opponent. I I, I, I would wins. consider Randy Orton Mister Survivor Series. I would do it. I would I say it. he's been in a ton of them, a ton. Yeah. Of them.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. If I had to pick a guy, I think it'd be Randy Orton. Yeah,
0: man. All right. So this week the top ten. Uh, I decided to get get creative here. So with Survivor Series coming up, I decided to look at. What were the best ever uh, Survivor Series teams that we've seen before? Mm. So, here we go. Number 10 from 2005, this was Team SmackDown. And the team was Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, JBL, and Bobby Lashley. Wow. It's that's awesome.
1: that's a,
0: that's a pretty stacked team, bro. But, pretty yeah, you stacked.
1: Got, you got power, speed, and... You know,
0: you got a little bit of everything in there, and I'm pretty sure that was the year that Randy also was a sole survivor. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty saying, sure that that's I what happened. Like
1: right? Almost every time that Randy was like in a
0: Survivor Series, he was like the Soul survivor. I agree with that. Um, number nine, this team was from 2004: Eddie Guerrero, Big Show, John Cena, and Rob Van Dam. Oh, that's a little squad. That's That's also a nice little squad. I like
1: that. I like that a lot. You got young
0: uh, RVD,
1: you got, you know, young uh, Eddie Guerrero. I like that a lot.
0: This one, number eight, this is from, I believe, 2016, 2016, 2017, Team SmackDown. You got Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, Shane McMahon, AJ Styles, and Dean Ambrose. That's not a bad squad either. That's also, like, a pretty good squad. I'm not going to lie. That's a, yeah, that is a pretty good team. That's When was that? That's pretty recently, right? That was 2016 or 17. one of those two. Yeah, that's not that long ago. Number seven, this was also a team SmackDown. I think this was 2018, I believe. Shane McMahon, John Cena, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Bobby Roode. That team is okay. I'm not too... You're not sold on that team? I'm not really...
1: Yeah, I I feel like maybe your number eight was better than that
0: team. Yeah, and now I'm looking at it, maybe I could have swapped those. I see what you're saying. You're not wrong. I see what you're saying. Number six. So this was the Raw team going against uh, the SmackDown team from... uh, That that was number eight. So number six. Braun Strowman, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. That's just... Quad. That's a squad, dude. That is a squad, dude. Yeah, good, good luck beating that. That's a squad. dude. That that legit is a squad. That's a great team right there. Uh, number five. This was the. I think it's also 2018. This was Ross. This was Ross' team. Kurt Angle, Triple H, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Samoa Joe. Hmm. That's a good team, man. Too. Damn. Dude, some of these Survivor Series teams are, are solid. Yeah. Some of them are solid. That's a good one. Number four. This was Team Austin. This is from two thousand and three. Mm. It was the Dudley Boys, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, and Rob Van Dam.
1: Oh, that's a that's a good team because you know you got a tag team already in there.
0: Exactly.
1: You got you already have chem
0: established chemistry. I like that team actually good team mm-hmm. number three this is from 2007 it's dx the hardy boys and cm punk oh that's wild what? <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> that's Damn. wild Damn. that's a squad dude that dude, is the only, squ- that's that's the only squad that's the only sparseries team i think i've ever seen that no one on that team got eliminated wow
1: that's yeah. That's crazy. That's a, that's a squad right there. That yes. that that is a team that you probably can't beat.
0: Number two, it's from two thousand and one. This was Team Alliance. It was Rob Van Dam, Stone Cold, Shane McMahon, Booker T, and Kurt Angle. Oh man, what year is this? Two thousand one. Wow, this is this, these are in their primes too.
1: These uh, prime Stone Cold, prime Angle, prime. Yep. Van Dam oh man, yeah, that's that's a nice little squad too. I still don't think it could beat the one before, but that's a nice little well, squad. Well hold on.
0: And here's number one. And this is this is awesome. two thousand one. This is who the the last team fought. This is team WWF. Mm-hmm. It was the Rock, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Kane, and Big Show. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's that's a squad.
1: That team is unfair. Like that <laughs>
0: That, that team is unfair.
1: You have, you have, like, four guys on that team that can literally, like, do it all or take out any other superstar yes. on the roster. Like That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – okay. Yeah, no, that for sure is number one. That one that one will go toe-to-toe. With, with, the with D- a DX and, one, and party, I agree. Actually, not even toe-to-toe. I think that team will slaughter them.
0: Dude, cuz yeah, once I read that team, I was like, dude, I like these are like the best of the best. Like what the hell is this?
1: Yeah, Undertaker and Kane plus The Rock. That's ridiculous. And, and Jericho. And Jericho, like and Big Show. Like Yeah. What are you going to do with that team? There's nothing you can do with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's like the Monstars. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
0: laughs> the Monstars. You just can't do anything against them. You're just like, oh, well, I guess I lose. That's that's it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's um, what, um, but, yeah, those are the top ten. Those are the top ten for this week, the top right? ten
1: subversary teams. Yeah, as always, Johnny, great top ten. I would have a couple, of, you know, switched around. Yeah, there
0: were there were some that I realized as I was reading could have been swapped around. Yeah, I agree with
1: that. Number eight was actually really good. I was like, wow, this how many more? I mean, there can't be nine better than this. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, no, that um, yeah, uh, aside from a few that I would switch around, uh, the number one I totally agree with. But uh, yeah, great top ten.
0: Thanks, man. You know, I'm trying just trying to get us ready for Survivor Series. It's it's right around the corner. You yeah, know, getting i getting
1: You know, out of the big four, right? Out of the big four pay per views.
0: I think Survivor Series is like people's least favorite. I agree with that, but I don't. I blame the fact that they don't hype up Survivor Series like they used to. Nah, they don't. It used to be like a top thing. Like, it I was mean, so- some of the some of the teams I named, man, like. If you saw those people on a team together, you'd be like, yo, I'm pretty pumped for the Survivor Series. I legit went through some teams when I was looking that I was like, that's that's a god-awful team. Like, I would not want to watch that Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, even
0: this year is not going to be that great. Like... I mean, Team Raw, who do we have so far? We have AJ, Braun, Keith Lee, and Sheamus. That's actually not a bad team. And they oh. want Drew to be on it. That actually wouldn't be a bad team. They're going to put Drew McIntyre on it? They're thinking about it. I I I don't think that would be a that's actually a solid team in my opinion. SmackDown, I don't know. I can't really think off the top of the dome like who I think would be a really because like that's that's actually a solid team for Raw. Is Rollins is Rollins not on the Survivor Series team? Uh, we have no. I mean, I don't think they actually started the qualifying matches for Survivor Series at first. SmackDown. Oh, it's probably gonna be this Friday then for sure. Let's see. Hold on. I'll tell you right now cause I, I I don't think they really have gone into uh into that one yet. I don't think so either. I know they started the women's, the women's one on SmackDown. Let's see. All right. Matches. Oh, so T SmackDown, all we have so far is Kevin Owens and Jey Uso.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Actually, uh, uh, AJ Styles mentioned that on Raw.
0: He did. Owens, I like. Jey Uso, I mean, I guess he was trying to push him as a singles guy. Sure, why not? Yeah. But, I don't. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know about the other, the other three. Yeah, that that squad is gonna need Rollins. It's gonna need Rollins. I agree. Uh, you know who they should put there? honestly a great spot to develop him? Dominic uh, Mysterio. That would be good too. Put did you put Dominic and Rollins on the same team together? I agree with that. Yeah. Just so there's like a little bit of a conflict. Yes, they should do that. I'm trying to think of someone else who would be a good SmackDown uh, person on there. Maybe King Corbin. I think he wouldn't be that bad.
1: Oh, yeah, King Corbin. Yeah, you always got to have, like, that uh, – That heel? Yeah. That heel straggler. Kind of like that's
0: Sheamus. That. Like. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what Sheamus is doing. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you could have gone without – Oh, you know who would be a really good uh, person for that team, especially with his single push now? Big E. Put Big E on that team. Yeah, Big E. Big e. That'd, be, that'd be really good, actually. They should put Big E on Team SmackDown. That yep. would push it really, really well. I agree completely with that. That's another thing. We didn't, we didn't really talk about
1: Big E and stuff, but I uh, just want to mention this really quick. I thought that um Kofi and uh, this guy, um uh, Xavier Woods, I thought that they did really good holding it down for themselves. Like, you know... On, uh, on Raw, like, just being just them as a tag team, I thought they did yeah.
0: pretty good. No, I agree. I agree. Like you said, like, that was actually one of the only good matches on uh, on Raw. Yeah. But, sadly, Rob, we have come to the end of our show. I want to thank you for being on the show, as usual. As always. I hope you had a good time. Uh, but, for Robert Kiles, I am Jonathan Stample. See you guys next time. Just keep driving, everybody.